0: Hello and welcome to episode 194 of the Filmmaker's Podcast. I am Giles Alderson, I'm a writer, director, producer. I am Robbie McCain, director, producer. And this is our live episode from afm that happened very recently with the amazing dan maser myself and ian sharp producer
1: and it was so good that we thought we'd share it with you so good yeah i mean for those people who were lucky enough to attend the afm talks you might have seen this already but uh for those of you who weren't they've allowed us to include this as part of our show as a special treat for you guys so it's like you're there at the festival Oh my gosh! It was it, and it
0: was fascinating because everything was online with the festival anyway. Mm. But I just found it—it was our first time being asked to speak at AFM, and it was a real privilege and a real honour. And obviously, to get Dan Mazer to join myself and Ian Sharp to talk about filmmaking was incredible what an
1: experience you are in for a treat because dan talks all about how he's been able to move through the film world the challenges he's faced including you know working with uh, agencies and trying to convince cast to come on board for projects and how he's overcome those
0: absolutely we also talk about film financing in sharp goes into detail about that and we discuss the differences between indie films and studio films
1: Dan talks about how his most recent project, the Home Alone remake, has been impacted by COVID-19. The sort of impacts of that versus the Borat subsequent movie film um, and the differences between how COVID can impact your production, if it's a studio or if it's an indie production. Uh, He also talks about how he got into the business, writing on the Ali G show and then moving straight to Ali G in the house with working title
0: and obviously if you don't know by now we are talking about the amazing Dan Mazer. as Robbie said he did do Ali G uh, he has done Borat one and two as a writer and exec producer and he's directed some amazing movies with some amazing people of which you'll find out on the AFM talk and that's all to come on this week's episode of the Filmmakers Podcast for you lovely amazing people thank you so much for listening uh, we
1: love you <laughs> but Jars where are you at the moment because you're not recording from your your cosy a kind of home office as you normally are you are recording live from location shooting your newest feature
0: i am indeed thank you robbie i've literally stepped off set uh it's the first day today it has been incredible i am in northampton uh, we are on the first day of the stranger in our bed people are packing up moving around me and it was a full-on crazy day as you can imagine for the first day they always are it's never easy
1: yeah, and with all of the COVID precautions and testing and social distancing, I imagine that kind of ramped up the craziness even more.
0: Well, it did because everyone's got to arrive today and we're in a manor house in the middle of Northampton, middle of nowhere with very little Wi-Fi. Mm. And everyone's got to arrive here, try and find the location. Then we had to do an hour of COVID tests. I think the, um, uh, the camera van was a little late, so we couldn't set up with that. So suddenly we're already behind. And because we, we've got a lot of day stuff to shoot, we're losing light at three o'clock. Mm. So suddenly, you know, if you're not starting to 11, you're already losing part of your day. So luckily I think I only lost two shots today, which we have to pick up another day because I need them, they're important. But I started off with a low loader, Robbie. If you don't know what a low loader is, people out there, it's basically a huge truck that you strap a car onto and you're inside the truck with the camera either pointing into the window on the side of the window or you're doing a wide from inside the van itself. <laughs> That's really difficult. On the first day, uh, the first shot was on a low,
1: low, day. It's Like, What are we doing? Why did we choose to do that? Oh, my gosh. It's, a, it's an icebreaker. Start you at the deep end. That's... <laughs>
0: Absolutely! Everyone, jump in. Here we go. Feet first. Have your COVID test. You passed. Great. Let's <laughs> get on set. Let's get going. But we got some great shots. You know, I've got such an amazing cast that as soon as it's announced, I'll let you know who everyone is. And it's just been a really good day. It's been a bedding in day of getting to know each other. A lot of people I've not worked with before. And uh, yeah, I'm. I'm really pleased. I'm really impressed. I mean, we we got some lovely tracking shots. We really st- stuck to what we wanted to get. Amazing. And. As much as it's always difficult, like I say, the first day, um, I'm really pleased. It's looking gorgeous. Um, that's fantastic man and yeah yeah and now we're all staying in the manor house here and uh <laughs> it's just gonna be crazy for two weeks <laughs> two weeks here and then two weeks in london so it's full on wow full on i need a whiskey Robbie. <laughs> I need a whiskey okay. Get i into
1: character. i'm dying
0: for i'm gonna i'm gonna have one as soon as we've done this <laughs> i should be having one now come on
1: <laughs> no but seriously well done man i mean trying to do a film around this time is not easy and uh especially trying to get exteriors done in the middle of November, close to the shortest day of the year, is is not easy either. So well done Thank for you. getting your first day Thank done and you. only two shots missed. I, mean, I know. That's, that you can make those I know. Up.
0: I'm actually... I have no idea how we did that. Yeah, I'm I'm really surprised and I'm still a bit buzzy. I'm still a little bit like, oh my gosh, oh my mm. gosh, we're, we're making a movie. And, you know, it's a great experience always to make a film on a film set. You're always learning.
1: Are we going to get some sort of on-set tour diaries maybe from you later on?
0: Uh, hopefully, you, if there's yes, time. Yes, I hope so. If... If this time and it's not too crazy, I'll do some tour diaries for you. It might be on my phone, so the quality mm-hmm. might not be amazing, but I'll try and do some for you. Well, Let's see what I can do. Well,
1: that'll be super Let's exciting. See what I can't make any promises, yeah. Robbie. I well, can't make any promises. I'm trying to make a movie here. <laughs> well, we're all here wishing <laughs> yeah. you luck. And, you know, if anyone's out there who wants to support Giles, have a look at, on his Twitter. He's, he's posting a few snippets of what he's allowed to to reveal so show your support there at Giles Olsen
0: by the way if you didn't know uh, (laughs) on Twitter look honestly if you do like this show tell all your friends uh, go on iTunes give us the 5 star review that we we always like and need and do write a review Mm. it means Mm. the world to us but really more importantly tell your friends tell everyone about this podcast we do it for the love we do it because we want you to learn as much as we learn so Mm. That's what it's Absolutely. about. So we better get to today's episode, right? Let's do it. I, I, I love the fact that, that, you know, this is live from set now and then we're going live to AFM. To AFM, yeah. even though even though technically it's not live, it was live at the time. And actually we do some question and answers at the end from people who were there who were asking yeah, questions. Yeah, and that's a
1: really interesting section that's as well. You know, there's some really good questions that get asked. And- yeah
0: so look forward to either hopefully hearing your name or if not just to some great questions Mm. for for all you wonderful independent filmmakers that you are or if you just like to hear Dan Mazer talking about Borat and working with Sasha Baron Cohen there is that too so enjoy uh this week's episode right Robbie enjoy Hey, hello everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Janina. Really appreciate that. I am Giles Alderson, my writer, director and I'm producer. My recent films include The Dare and Arthur and Merlin. And joining us today is the fantastic Ian Sharp. He's exec producer and film financier who has made the films Kickoff, Pleasure Island, Legacy, Holston, and Northern Soul, and Westwood. Hello, Ian. Hello. Hey, good to be here. Uh, how are you guys doing? I hope you're hope you're well. I'm looking forward to to, to getting into this. Absolutely. And our very special guest today is the very talented director, producer and writer, Dan Mazer. He's known for writing and producing the cult classic Borat um, movie. Dan has been a regular collaborator with Sasha Baron Cohen, producing and writing Bruno and Ali G. in the house, as well as directing a wealth of other features, including I give it a year. Dirty Grandpa and writing Bridget Jones' Baby and Office Christmas Party. His films have included the likes of Robert De Niro, Rose Byrne, um, Ray Spall, and Rennie Zalwiger. He's currently directing, or has literally just rapped directing, Home Alone. Dan Mazer. Cool. That's a long, that's a long resume. I, sh- I should live in a bigger house. You really <laughs> should. I, was, I, I nearly got bored reading it. <laughs> 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 shows how old I am, basically. But yeah. It does, it does. Um, thank you so much, both of you, for joining us. And thank you, everyone, for uh, joining and listening today. Obviously, this is a and a chat as well, so we will be throwing it out. So if you do have any questions, and we like them, we like the sound of them, we will be asking, and we will try and answer them as best as we can. But obviously, today, we're talking about independent studio movies, what's happening right now in the world, making movies, working producer-director relationship, and on set as well. So. Obviously, we've just had that general rambling introduction from myself. So I thought I'd move it over to Dan for a little bit to just talk about because he has just come off set making Home Alone, a fantastic reboot for 20th Century Fox. But you had to stop halfway through because of COVID. Do you Mm -hmm. want to just talk us through that and how that felt? You know,
2: making a movie, you sort of live in this hermetically sealed bubble where the rest of the world doesn't really matter for those 10 weeks or however long you're making a movie but you know everyone was talking about covid and this and that and the other and then there were just sort of rumblings i was in the middle of a setup in the middle of a take with um, ellie kemper and uh the crew just started murmuring 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 and they'd read on deadline that we we're about to be shut down <laughs> and everyone was just like what <laughs> we're what and it was a friday morning and lo and behold, I finished, doing, uh, finished the take uh, 30 seconds later. The producer came in and made the announcement and we shut down uh, without knowing when, if, how we would come back having a $5 million set uh, still standing in Montreal for all that time on, on you know, t- having taken over three stages yeah. uh, and and also more pertinently uh having a young lead an 11 year old boy as our lead who with the clock ticking on whether he was going to hit puberty that we locked down so you know the, the, the nightmare scenario was he was going to come back with a beard and his uh you know and his balls had dropped and his voice had gone <laughs> down three octaves frightening and, uh, oh, yeah. and we'd be in trouble but um You know we just kept on looking and and the producers did brilliantly in kind of making sure that all the protocols were met and everything was safe for us to go back and we went back at the beginning of september and in a very different world with everyone wearing masks and and, and in different pods and in different bubbles and uh you know i was tested five times a week everybody was tested three or four times a week uh it was just, you know, we couldn't eat together. It was just a very different, slightly more miserable world and universe that we had to go back into to uh, making the movie. But we got it done. We did it quicker than we thought we would. We managed to avoid, thankfully, any positives in a crew of probably uh, somebody told me there were kind of 650 people came in and out of you know the movie in the in the six weeks that we were that we were shooting and we managed to escape all of that and you know bizarrely it was kind of a, a weird bonding experience even though you couldn't see anybody's face the entire mm-hmm. time so I'm worried about going back to Montreal and being rude to people because I just, went back to <laughs> just didn't see their mouths
0: for that, yeah for that. well that's but, it it's just eyes isn't it yeah
2: it's just eyes um so you know it was weird i thought it was going to be impossible and there were going to be loads of completely um draconian restrictions that made creativity uh absolutely kind of forbidden but it it, uh, you know i think it 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 didn't really impact the 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 creative aspects of making the film too much
0: that's good that is really good because how did you find directing then actually because like i say your mouth's covered up how do you actually uh, convey to actors because i've not done it yet it's about just with happen. the eyes just just smising and just the eyes yes <laughs> <laughs> um, I
2: mean, it, it, you know, it's 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 definitely weird like and uh i mean fortunately you could see the you know obviously you can see the actor's faces and they you know put on their masks immediately after a take but you just you know it's just you get used to it we're incredibly adaptable you know, as humans and mm-hmm. what you imagine would be impossible actually isn't really that difficult and you just get used to it and get on with it and make it work. And, and hopefully yep. the film won't be impacted too much.
0: But you also did Borat too during this time. Uh, what's the difference between the two then? Because Borat is a very different movie to Home Alone. Yeah.
2: yeah, no, I went in and out of Borat and obviously with Borat. So during the hiatus of Home Alone, I work on the Borat movie and, uh, obviously there you're in the real world. In a film set, as I said, you're sort of hermetically sealed. You can, be, you can be tested five times a day. We were lucky because you just, you know, make sure that the cast who fly in quarantine for two weeks uh, and then uh, uh, and then are tested beforehand and everything's okay. But when you're dealing with real people, uh, as we were in Borat, that's a very different scenario. And we did a, a section of filming in Romania um uh, the doubles in our movie for for kazakhstan and that was super weird because i just i got off got off the plane in bucharest and was driven to a sort of industrial park <laughs> on the outskirts of the, this next <laughs> this soviet block city uh through a in a drive-through covid testing facility um and then uh you know with people in these sort of weird you know hazmat suits in an industrial estate it felt felt you know the closest to an apocalypse that I'd ever, <laughs> ever experienced. And then was driven to the hotel where the, 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 actually the procedures in Bucharest and Romania and the restrictions were far more draconian than they were in Montreal, Los Angeles or London. Um, and you know you weren't allowed to travel around in the hotel and you were temperature checked everywhere. And it was sort of bizarre because we were, we were writing before we were shooting And even though we were all writing together we were in different rooms of the hotel and it was just you know it was stupid i might as well have been in london and then Mm -hmm. i remember on the the first day of shooting we were waiting for the covid test for the makeup person to come through it was supposed to come through at nine o'clock we couldn't start until that came through and just again sat in a car park just waiting on this medical result for nine hours doing nothing and wow through you know we' lost the lights and we had you know we had basically half an hour's worth of filming so that was that in, a, in that slightly more uncontrolled environment it had much more of an effect um, mm. but you know hopefully vaccines around the corner are all going to be fine
0: right? Yeah, totally. What about you, Ian? Because obviously at the moment you're trying to finance, well, you're trying to cast a movie right Mm -hmm. now that's obviously in its latter stages. And how are you finding getting cast at the moment in terms of, has COVID affected that in any way at all?
3: If anything, it's given me better access to maybe a kind of higher profile talent. So obviously a a lot of them are, are maybe not so busy at the moment. So they're more willing to kind of engage and read scripts and, and, and the agents are uh, more responsive. Um, the tricky part is, is obviously their availability because they're probably signed up already. They were probably already shooting something um, and they they have to wait and to see when that goes because they're contractually obligated to finish yeah. that job before they can mm-hmm. maybe take on a new job. So so it's had its benefits in that sense to be able to get you know responses uh, and get reads, but it's still tricky now. Now that we've narrowed it down to be able to go right, Th- this is when we're shooting can you give us a yes or no it's it's not been ideal yeah that's been my experience so far
0: i film in 2 weeks and we there's so many protocols to go through and jump through and so many mm-hmm. locations have you know suddenly gone no yeah, i'm not so yeah. sure or people are staying yeah, at home that,
3: that's a good point yeah literally it, today for example we had a you know location kind of manager out there and she probably sent us over 20 options and then we narrowed it down to five and then four of them are, are not letting anyone you So literally we would now, you know, narrowed down to one. Uh, and that, again, you know, it's we need that kind of really remote farmland kind of quiet area mm. but because of traveling, et cetera, for cast, Now, I'm, ha- I'm having to kind of explain to the, to, you know, to the agents and crew, et cetera, that it will be relatively close so they can you know around the m25 you know i live in london you know um you know so they can travel in and out from their home so they don't have to kind of quarantine in a, in a hotel or, or, or be away from their family too much so so again yeah there is there's, there's other aspects besides the casting that have obviously had a massive impact for us so um okay. yeah it's just kind of the times that we're in at the moment
0: yeah i think it is i think we've all just got to adapt And move forward and go look this is how it is until as Dan says that vaccine's hopefully around the corner but at the moment it's like well if you want to make a film and like say Dan's made two during this time um, uh, me and you Ian we're also making movies and have had movies released during this time and even though it's frightening it's like well look if we want to make movies that's what we've got to do embrace it and go this is what it is let's talk a little bit about financing then during this time because I found and this is interesting and Dan would be interesting from your studio side and Ian from your In the perspective Mm -hmm. that investors and studios have sort of gone well. I'm happy to put money into movies because people are still wanting to see movies. Mm. Dan, from your perspective, straight away, have you found that to be the case? Has it carried on as normal? Has there been a more increase in money coming your way, or or at least fun
2: Well, I I think you're right, and like more than ever, we need films because we're stuck inside and we're going to watch them. Obviously, there's the whole question of you know the future of cinemas versus streaming, which I think is massive and. uh, the effects of this are going to accelerate the you know the the death or certainly the withering of, of cinemas as people become kind of more used to mm. streaming and and also just mm. as filmmakers i certainly become more comfortable with the idea of my film being streamed rather than in a cinema whereas i was very snobby about it even probably a year ago where i was just like mm. oh, no, i don't want it to be streaming i want it to you know be in a movie uh theater but now we're just kind of okay fair enough streaming's great we get many more eyes on it um and then i think uh certainly at the beginning of this whole period there was a lot more focus on development that kind of really just accelerated and lots of people were calling with uh you know have you got any ideas can we throw you this what do you think of this um because they wanted to stock up on scripts and because less people were making things they had more headspace to actually uh focus on the future and 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 you know maybe kind of stockpile the cupboard and also just from my point of view selfishly in terms of i think what people have started to look more towards is comedy i think um i think the need for people to just have the stress and strain taken away and just be able to laugh at stuff uh has come to the fore and and, and, I, and I think there's been a bit of a resurgence in people looking at, at comedy and fun and lighter stuff yep yeah, right. I, I agree with that completely so, totally. you know I've had a great pandemic i've loved it <laughs> uh, i don't know if you're allowed to say that but, yeah. it's uh, it's yeah. you know
0: long may it rain, long may it continue right <laughs> Ian, what about your side then as the financing world from your perspective in terms of has anyone been put off by covid or as i guess from yeah. my side investors have sort of gone no i'm fine i'm still putting the money in it's a good place to put it at the moment rather than in the house or yeah. you know something else
3: Exactly. I think Dan, you know, summed it up. There'll always be a a want for stories and, 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 you know, we've consumed an ungodly amount of content, me and my wife and my children and stuff whilst, you know, lockdown, you know, and, you know, the the pandemic. So um, I, from a indie standpoint, I have, you know, a relationship with quite a few high net worths and they're always very keen to throw money into film. Like, regardless of what's going on, they always – uh, it's you know the, the the buzz the the excitement of, of, of being involved in the film space is always there so that the conversations I'm having with you know the the kind of distribution sales agents etc they're still very much interested in content absolutely I don't know how much money they've got available whether they are more risk averse at the moment rightfully so maybe cash flow is an issue at the moment, but on the flip side, you know, they have been going straight to streamers and probably making more money. So it's hard to gauge right now in my experience, but what I can say and being a financier myself, like it's not stopped me. I'm still very much interested in, in, in putting money into projects from a development standpoint as well. It's been incredible for us. Like we've been incredibly busy Um, and you know, we're, we're financing all that development ourselves as well. So and I know there's other partners out there that are looking to get into, into this space. So it, it's still very attractive.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. We've got a question here from um, Gregory Carter. And obviously you mentioned this anyway, Dan, but he's asking what your thoughts on Borat 2 premiering worldwide on Amazon uh, VOD as opposed to traditional theatrical first. What do you feel are the positives and potential negatives of this approach?
2: Well, I think it was a very unique experience where we were keen to get the movie out before the election and that that sort of trumped everything and uh it was meant it was originally meant to be a theatrical release uh but obviously with the world the way it was that wasn't feasible uh in terms of getting as many people to watch it as possible for before the election so uh it 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 kind of you know circumstances just uh, made the decision for us uh essentially and i think it's you know paid dividends it's the Already the second most streamed movie of the year.
0: Amazing! Oh, well phenomenal done. phenomenal
2: amount of people have seen it. They think something like sort of. In fact, I can't remember the number. but millions and millions of households. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it was a no-brainer, and it's been and it's been very successful. And I, you know, I think it made such a splash and such an imprint, uh, and and uh, and broke through in a way that I wouldn't necessarily have um, forecast. Mm. Uh, in terms of you know in terms of streaming movies so i think we were we were pretty lucky
3: what i noticed uh, down with it was uh, i thought the marketing as well was genius and 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 way way ahead of its time um, you know than the kind of traditional sense of getting films out there you guys you, you had influencers you did kind of viral videos comedic videos where you know bark crashes into the i think it's a tesla door or something like it just yeah, went yeah. viral and again it's like it's like you guys knew your target audience and you went direct to them without kind of going all different ways, um, you know, throwing kind of spray and pray money or whatever, at certain campaigns. It it, it became an event.
2: Sasha's a genius at that sort of stuff. And he, you know, he, it breaks through. And I think the timing again, played into all that in, in terms of a it being relevant to the election that everybody was talking about, but also it feeling like a slight, light relief from that and and there's a slightly different point of view on it you know when everybody was so depressed about what was going on it was quite nice to to be able to laugh at that so you know we always have the philosophy that you know it's if you can make the front page which we've done since the times of G, then then you're onto a winner you know if if you become a news story if you're part of the conversation there then and very few films make it to to that point then then that's when you're really kind of you're, you're onto a winner can, and can can break through
0: do you think that's useful on every level from indie film all the way up to you know the studio movie as borat 2 do you think that filmmakers should be thinking about things like you know obviously we can't all do what sasha baron cohen does unfortunately um but is that you think that we should be thinking about clever marketing tactics from almost the beginning
2: uh, i think it it's more to do with just making yourself feel unique and special and different somehow and if that breaks through mm-hmm. then that's brilliant but i think you know the more you know one thing that i've learned and i haven't learned much the thing that have been most successful that I've done, have always tried to break the mold in some way and anything that feels familiar or or like you've seen it before or a facsimile of something, however good it is, it's much less likely to, you know, to break through and be successful. So, um, uh, you know, and that works for the, you know, for the good and the bad in terms of sort of commercial success. I, I just think push, you know, pushing things as, as far as possible and, try and daring to be different is is really the answer
0: to, to, to making an impact. I think I personally think you should be thinking about your marketing, even when you're writing the script. Who wants to see this? How can we sell it? Yeah. Who cares yeah. about this movie? What could we do that's slightly different here to get out in the world? And obviously, when you get to the point of actually selling the movie and people eyeballs on it, you might not have the marketing budget to do that but if you can start putting that in your spend from the beginning you know it's there then you, you do have much more of a yeah, chance I think I would also um, say it's
2: no no coincidence that you know lots of the heads of studios now come from a marketing background rather than a creative background mm-hmm. because you know that we all know that's what that's what makes a film success you're selling the, the you know the image of a film and the potential of a film and you're just getting people in and you know we've all been fooled by going in and seeing great marketing campaigns and then been disappointed by the movie but you know Mm -hmm. that's what you know even in terms of wanting to get things made when you're going out and pitching Mm -hmm. people are going to look at the marketing
3: potential of it and and
2: and how it can break
3: through yeah on that jazz from from kind of maybe a smaller uh, independent point of view, we, we, you know, a television, uh, idea, the, the creator, he kind of went off on his own and spent a, a couple of grand a couple of thousand kind of pounds and, and, and made a, a a teaser, um, for a potential pilot of a TV series. And what we did is we, as a company, we threw probably about a thousand pounds, uh, into kind of social media kind of pushes and Facebook and whatever. And it got over a million views that teaser, so then for me now as the producer pitching that i'm like look this is just off the back of that that's a big number you know that's that's something that just um potentially validates that that idea so uh Mm. you know and that's right at the front of the bible um you know the 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 treatment etc so i i would i would i I would advise that if you could if you got a bit of money
0: well let's talk about that let's talk about the fact of actually making movies because a lot of people who are listening to this i imagine going yeah this is great but how do i make my movie how did you make your movies and how do i make mine how do we get the funding how do we get anything in place so i suppose diving straight in it does go back to the script and having a great concept for you dan then obviously your journey is slightly different to mine and ian's um in terms of you came from tv into suddenly making movies do you want to talk? to the people listening about how that happened for you and your leap if you like from making independent telly to big studio movies
2: yeah i mean look i've been incredibly lucky and you know the more people i meet and the more people i speak to there's no real magic bullet for a route in what i what i would say is sort of a a, a repeat of what i just said is like make sure you stick out, make sure you, you know, your your head goes above the parapet and you're doing something unique. Don't try and make a thing that's a bit like a thing that you saw because you like that thing, because there's a million other people and it's already been done. So try and do something different. And what we did with, uh, you know, uh, Sasha and I basically, you know, We've known each other since we were 11. We came up together. We, we wrote Ali G. Ali G was very successful on TV. Working Title came to us and said, Would you, do you want to do a movie? I'd never even contemplated a career in movies before. Never seen a script, let alone written one. Uh, uh, got a production assistant at Working Title to praise the Robert McKee book because I didn't want to read the whole thing. So she, you know, basically preceded it into like five pages. We read it, we set off, we did it. We made some mistakes, but we, you know, but what we had was a kind of, you know, a spirit and a maverick. Then we let we, we let really clever people guide us. And we listened to them in terms of the producers at working title, who obviously, are, you know, are, are brilliant and have made you know hundreds of great films. And, mm. um, and lo and behold we you know that then just mushroomed and and i fell in love with making films and went from writing to directing and have been incredibly lucky to just have 20 odd years where i've just where i've pretty much made films so i how do you get it done i don't know just be i mean Without sound, like I don't want to sound arrogant, but like just be good at what you do, and hopefully, <laughs> and hopefully, that, hopefully that hopefully that breaks through. Try and do something different. Try and yeah. try and be unique, and and hopefully that will break through. I think you know what's a, what's a great resource now that wasn't a resource when I started is uh, doing stuff online and you know making something unique and getting a ton of hits on something or making something viral and breaking through that way. And you can do that with your phone and a thing, and and mm-hmm. just be creative. Continue to be creative just try everything and just get your voice out there and hopefully in terms of sort of the meritocracy of it all you'll be you'll be noticed like that
0: Uh, i just wanted to ask you how many drafts did that first allergy script go through how many hoops did you have to sort of jump through did you do pitch decks did you have to do no i mean we
2: were really lucky because it was a phenomenon on tv Mm. it was zeitgeisty it was of the moment And they just want they want not just wanted they wanted to get a film out as quickly as possible. So I didn't even know at that point the misery of development and drafts and redrafts and all that sort of stuff. You know, it was a dream. It was a dream introduction to the world of film that was not at all realistic in terms of Mm -hmm. subsequently having to do 20 drafts of scripts and, you know, Going through development, misery with producers and directors and the heads of studio changing and all those sort of things because they, you know, we had to back into a date. We probably, you know, started in April one year and we had to be out for the April the next year. So we just went into it and did it and and, and dove in. And yeah, you know, it wasn't the greatest film in the world, allergy in the house, but I watch it now and I go. It's not that much worse than, than the stuff I write now. Twenty, have, have 20 <laughs> years of experience. So um, it's a crazy world where there are no rules. And if you know if there was a if, if there was a way to succeed, then we'd know and we'd and we'd do it, and that would be the route. And you know, the, the crazy thing is, you know, whether you're Aaron Sorkin, Steven Spielberg, or somebody who's you know got a script in Texas, it's still hard to get a film made. It's, you know we've chosen we've chosen an idiotic uh, industry to to, uh, to to nail our colors to the mast of mm-hmm. uh, because it's really hard to 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 get a film made
0: mm. absolutely right um ian what about from your experience then getting your first movies made do you want to tell the listeners and viewers how you managed to do that with your first yeah movie? no
3: worries so my background is i'm an actor you know i went to drama school um and like most actors, you're at work a lot, and you're very frustrated. Uh, you know, at the time, um, I was uh, doing all kinds of jobs to make ends meet, and um, I did a course. The teacher said, "What do you want to do?" And I said, "I just want to act." And he said, "We'll put on a put on a show or a play or whatever." And I had some savings from from personal training. I put on a play, uh, and the play did quite well. And um, Uh, one of my, well, my very first PT client, he said, look, if you ever want to make the movie version of it, I'll give you a couple of grand and, but on one condition, you've got to put some money in. Fast forward three months later, I'm on set, you know, uh, literally winging it, not having a clue what I was doing, uh, you know, making a super low budget indie movie. Um, uh, I think we shot it in 14 days and, you know, like, I don't know, like six months later, I'm in, you know, in Cannes trying to sell it, trying to flog it. (laughs) It was, uh, it was surreal. Like, um. It took me three or four movies before I actually figured out really kind of what a producer... I'm still learning now, you know, what a producer does. Uh, one of my kind of superpowers is I'm very good at knowing what I'm good at and what I'm not good at and and getting kind of like-minded, driven people like probably Dan and, and, and Sasha had that relationship where you just get stuff done, you know, and I think that's why I mean you resonate, um, Giles, is we just... We're, we don't hang around, you know, we're not waiting for permission. We're just going to do it and we're not going to go anywhere uh, even if we don't make any money. We're we're in it for... This is it now. This is, our, this is us forever. So you just got to crack on. And, you know, after me thinking it's going to be easy, you know, I I wasn't on set as a producer, what, for four more, four years after my first movie. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's just the way it goes. You know, you just got to keep going and keep going. You, you know, you have so many kind of like kind of downward periods and then you get that one touch and it just charges your battery again, doesn't it? And then you've got to try again and, and get that touch again. So, uh, yeah, you just got to be tenacious. I agree. I think
0: you have to have plates spinning. I think when I first started trying to make movies, I only had one project and Mm. I was always relying on someone else. And there Mm. was always a problem. It was like hearing it third party and it just got to me. Mm. And when that project fell down, I was crushed. I was devastated, worked on it for so long. So Mm. I vowed never to do that again. So now I have at least 10 projects that could you know with a bit of work go three or four of them are ready to go packs done pitches done director's vision packs done everything done so therefore when i get the call it's ready they are ready scripts always could be improved something could be improved but i'm ready the reason i got my first movie the dare made was because i didn't stop pitching it i i everyone i went to was like let's talk about this movie let's see what we can do here and the interest it well i mean it was an elevated horror so it did help that it had that going for it but the interest did come but when it ended up being a studio movie. So, my debut movie was a studio movie. And I had to work really hard to get the green light. I was pitching constantly. I was constantly sending updates of how I'm going to do this, why I'm going to do it, who I want. And I think that's what you need. As Ian says, you have to be tenacious. You have to keep going and you have to believe in yourself that you can do this and you can move forward. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about funding because we had a really good question about funding here. How do we get funding? And, you know, especially for indie films, how do we find them? For you, Dan, let's go there. From the studio side of it first sort of someone asked a question down here um how did you get funding for borat it's ronya hello ronya she asked how did you get the funding for borat from ronya man
2: i'm not really very good on i'm not really a funding person particularly i don't know i I don't get involved i'm much more on the creative side of things than the than the sort of producing money side of things Mm -hmm. what i do know is that the struggle to get films made goes from you know low budget indie all the way through it's it's never easy to get a film made and there's you know a million reasons for people not to make films Mm. and they're always happy to tell you them you know and you know to me more and more now it comes down to to casting at the kind of the level i'm making stuff because if people want to put you know 30 million dollars into a film they they need to have something to grasp onto and they don't necessarily trust themselves that the script is enough so um, you're very beholden to, to agents and agencies and, and maybe prior relationships and that sort of thing in order to get access to actors and get them attached. And that's, that to me is what I find makes a, makes a movie go and get greenlit rather than anything, rather than anything else that kind of the, the budget level I tend to make things at Mm. so um and that's just a miserable uh experience you know chasing Mm -hmm. actors, getting them (laughs) waiting for them they've got you know anybody who's got has got you know anybody who's good has got a million offers somehow somehow you have to persuade them to Mm -hmm. to make the jump into into your loving arms so that you know that to me is my big battle rather than funding because as i say it's usually a studio usually a studio is you know paid me to write the script or or, you know, has as developed uh, developed a script they sent me that, that, you know, the money's in place as long as you can just meet a few criteria.
0: Do, do they, obviously in the studio system, are they looking for certain names as well? You go, well, I'd love that person. They go, mm, yeah, is that as well to play with?
2: There's a weird sort of algorithm and, and formula that they use where um, I've had it where they, they, send, they send the script that I have round and they, the actor that I would like and the, uh, the the studio will send it to their person in Sweden, Germany, mm. Turkey, Albania, the, <laughs> and ask that person to read the script with that talent and put a you know dollar figure next to how much they think it would take with that person in their territory. Mm. And if that adds up, then you're good to go. And if it doesn't, then you're not. And I've also been on the end of just some ludicrous suggestions of people to cast in my romantic comedy or my broad comedy where you go like they are the least funny person <laughs> least romantic the world. <laughs> yeah. and not romantic and never done anything and they go yeah but look at the numbers for what they did on so and so and so and so mm. and you go yeah but that's like an action movie where they pummel people mm-hmm.
3: to death mm-hmm. you know
2: he doesn't mm-hmm. have a great lightness of touch this particular person <laughs> and i'll they go but he's looking to do something funny and you go
0: not <laughs> <again>. <laughs> and,
2: and you said and i literally had a, I, a few years ago there's a script that i loved mm-hmm. i was desperate to make and it was a really good script and i was really proud of it and it would have been a great movie and i was struggling to get you know there are sort of three people uh in terms of in terms of you know comedy people who get a film greenlit and they are all busy forever and couldn't do it for whatever reason and i you know i had such faith in the script i got a call one night and uh, the agent had said it sent it to this particular action star who wanted to do it and they just said look if you do it it's greenlit you're done that's it we, you could cast whatever woman you want opposite him but we've got this guy you're through you're done it's okay you know uh, da, da, da. And, I, and i was awake all night it's just like do i do it you know it's i've spent years of my life on this it's a real passion project mm-hmm. Get made, but then you go. It'll get made, and it will be terrible, <laughs> and I'll hate myself for doing it. So you just have to go not mm, for me, and it's wow. a really difficult choice.
0: Mm, that is a difficult like- choice. That's the difference between making a movie and not for maybe a year, or going back to another actor and going out again. So does that does yeah. that mean because of that then, Dan? Are you maybe circling three projects at the same time? Maybe you've got the first one out to the action show on the comedy, and you've made. Is that kind of do you doing seeing which one goes first?
2: yeah although that's a very tricky balancing act as well because people know so you know there there are three big agencies who have most of the actors you know there's wme caa uta and if they know that you're out on one movie and then go to somebody on another movie then they go well is he serious about this movie is he serious about this movie because he can't be because he's calling our clients, of, you know, calling one of our agents about a, another client for something else. So how serious is he? So that's a very delicate balance to uh, to strike. So it doesn't always work. I mean, I'm I'm lucky insofar as I can write as well as direct. So I've always, I've always got something going on. So if I'm not, so I can sort of play a movie out in terms of trying to get it going as a director while I'm writing something else. And that will, you know, immediately then follow. But, you know, there's only so many kicks in the face (laughs) you can take and it's, it's, it's really hard because there are only a finite amount of actors who in terms of the things that i write you know i write comedies generally and i direct comedies generally so there's only a finite amount of actors out there who tick the box of a being funny b i like and see as kind of financially viable mm. and so there's only so many times you can knock on the door and say oh, it's damn with another goofy oh, no, <laughs> no, <no, no>, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> another goofy comedy <laughs> right.
2: yeah yeah so you have to be quite discerning in 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 who you go to and when and how
0: right okay that's that's fascinating it's a really fascinating insight thank you for that what about your, yourself then ian um are you juggling quite a few projects at the same time
3: Oh, yeah. So we've got, I think, 10 films um, in development. Um, And like anything, you know, one kind of catches fire and then you kind of do your best to kind of grow that flame. And, you know, realistically, I'd like to think that we've probably got three films that will go next year. Um, uh, But you just you never know. Right. So um, and we've just started to kind of branch into telly as well. So I try to diversify as much as I can. Otherwise, you just you're hanging around, you know, you just you're, you're constantly waiting, you know, you can wait months before even if it's an offer you know months before an agent responds with that talent doesn't mean that it's not necessarily a no sometimes it, it, they will get back to you if you again if you're tenacious enough but yeah, you, you, you've got to be busy, man. Otherwise, I just go insane, man. I just jump off a bridge. I need to be busy. Well, this uh, is it.
0: We're all creative, right? That's what we like to do. And I imagine everyone here listening is the same, watching. We've got a really interesting yeah. question here from uh, Christopher McMillan. He said, hi, gentlemen. We completed a feature film. How do we use that film to raise funds for our second? Where should we focus our energy right now? Ian, let's start with you.
3: So obviously, you know, uh, you hope that that first film has had any kind of success not necessarily financially but maybe it's gone to a festival or it's um you know it's it's had some kind of good uh, you know exposure you can you can leverage that i mean not all investors are sounds daft saying it but then not all of them are, are, are that bothered about you know financial returns sometimes they just want to walk down a red carpet or whatever or, mm-hmm. or, or, or meet an actor so you just got to think out the box a little bit you know but look a huge huge congratulations to make for making your first movie you're already one to, a massive step ahead than most so um you know take confidence from that and yeah you know if if you are depending on the genre you know depending on what the actual project is like i don't know maybe you, you have to think out the box you know maybe you can't raise as much development finance for it and you you work on a you know, maybe you ask the talent you know the writer or whoever you're working with to maybe work on a kind of split deferment or, or or whatnot. So, but you know, you've made a movie. So someone out there, you know, again, If you work hard enough, um, I'm sure you'll find someone that'll give you some funds.
0: Yeah, I I feel the same way. I think it is about the hard work and well done for making your first feature. Amazing. Even if you made it for nothing, so what? Mm -hmm. What I found, the reason why people wouldn't let me make my first film was because I hadn't made a movie. I was a stumbling block all the time. Didn't matter if I'd written it and they loved the script, they'd always fall down to the point of, yeah, but you haven't made a movie yet. So my advice anyway is go make a movie. Even if it's on your iPhone, and it doesn't have to win loads of awards. It doesn't have to make a load of money. You've then made something which really helps and makes investors and someone like Ian and Dan go, oh, okay. well, you've actually been through the trenches. You know how hard it is. Fine. Let's see what you could do with maybe a little bit more. Or at least they'll take you seriously to go, all right, let's have a meeting. And that's where you need to be. You need to get in the room. But I think one of the main questions that most people are asking is, how do you find those? investors how do you find those hnis or let's talk about that ian first uh, with yeah, you. Yeah. uh where where do you find your financiers where are yeah, they yeah. of course you don't give away your secrets why would no no um. i mean look i mean
3: I, I i am an actor i'm very creative i'd like to think but i do actually really enjoy the business side of it too that's probably why i'm involved in quite a few different kind of uh, companies in that sense so i really get a kick out of that so i i Because, you know, I read an ungodly amount of kind of finance books and don't know why I I didn't get any GCSEs or any any qualifications in that sense. But I just I'm really interested in in building stuff, building companies or scripts or projects. So uh, and then once you kind of learn the language of money and finance, you start to kind of go to events where other financiers are there or other people are are like minded. And then as soon as I, you know, I say, oh, I'm a film producer or an actor or whatever, straight away. You know, someone goes, "Oh, oh, that's interesting. I know, or my friend does that, or my, you know, my my brother's doing that, or whatever." So you've just got to expand your relationship and your networks. You know, I have done, I can't tell you how many night courses, things I've done on finance and and whatnot, and you know, um, like I say, I'm I, I, you know, I, I'm interested in 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 property, for example. You know, I I do these events where I go and I talk and I. You know, meet other people in in the room, and you. And what I always do is, and this has served me so well, is I always tell people, regardless of what you know uh, industry they're in. I'm in the movie business. You know, um, you just never know who that person is that you're speaking to. Like, say, I was a personal trainer, and my client, you know, I, I didn't say, "Oh, I'm not an actor." I made it clear, you know, I'm an actor. But I also personal train, and he had an interest in. You know, he's a high net worth, and. Yeah, so you've just got to kind of think out of the box and just own it in, in a way. But they're out there. They're they're absolutely out there. There's so much money. I mean, the Fed are just printing money. So, you know, it, it's, it's not hard. <laughs> it, course, that's, that's wrong. It is hard. It's
0: very hard, but I know what you mean. I, but it's not hard if you're in the right places. And like Ian says, you're like i was pitching it or talking about this is what i'm mm. doing mm. are you interested in the fact mm. that you're talking about something that you're passionate about instantly mm. makes people attractive to you and they go oh well mm. tell me about that they might mm. not have money but they might know someone who does yeah and i've always found when i've met a, a h H&I, and a high net worth individual i'll never ask mm. them personally for money i'll never say hey you should invest in my film no, i word it hey mm you might know someone who might be interested mm-hmm. in the film. It mm-hmm. takes the pressure off them, but also they then feel like, oh yeah, I might be able to find someone. And then if their friend gets involved, they then feel like they should as well. It's, it's mm-hmm. kind of win-win for you. But as Ian says, you can find these people at just gotta keep looking could be anyone could be a dentist I mean, could
3: AFM, be I'm sure these AFM, there's loads yeah These are the yeah. perfect examples of that there are finances there are companies out there and and again this it's my job as the producer to know these guys so if you are more a creative writer director let me do that work for you you know you concentrate on what the most important thing is which is the script the creative and let me do all that so make sure you've you've partnered up with um producers if you can, you know, or or someone else that's going to help you. Don't, try and do it alone,
0: you know? Great. We've got loads of questions from you guys. Thank you so much. And we're going to get to them, I think, in about 15 minutes and maybe we'll jump to a few in between that. Dan, I wanted to talk to you about the director producer relationship because you do both and you're the screenwriter. Yeah. How does it work when you're you're directing and now you have a new producer coming in that's not to you? How does that relationship work? And then the other way around when you're producing and uh, working with directors and have you learned massively from that?
2: I mean, there all sorts of different types of producers. As you know, there are the you know there are the financial guys who worry about all the money and kind of don't really have a creative input. And then there are the creative people. And um, where I'm now, generally, it's a, you know I'm, I will have a you know a creative partner as a producer from the get-go who will you know who will come to me with the script and you know and interview me and choose me as a director and uh, make sure that I'm kind of aligned with them uh creatively in terms of our vision f- for the film and you know that's a really important relationship because you, as a director you're, you're essentially employed by them and you kind of have to remember that and they're giving you tens of millions of dollars to 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 do something so you have to be responsible with that but at the same time you have to make sure that you're not going to clash and and have creative differences so you know at its best they basically kind of you know have a sort of 40,000 foot view and step in when they think uh you know when they think things are going wrong and often they're essentially your conduit with the studio so they're there to make sure that you're protected from the studio and the studio is protected from you and they you know they sort of go in between and and decipher the messages and protect you when things are going wrong or champion you when things are going well You know it's a really important relationship and you have to find the right person and uh, generally i've been pretty lucky i've had one experience with a producer who i didn't like but that's over you know kind of however many films i've made which is a lot so it's a pretty you know rare occurrence Mm -hmm. And uh, you know i try and be i try and be respectful because i'm sort of playing with their money from the other point of view i don't really like like i said i'm not really a sort of a producer producer i'm sort of there as a kind of writer who Stands around and pitches ideas, and and it sort of collaborates with a, 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 a director more than anything. So I didn't direct the the new Borat movie. The you know the guy who did was brilliant, and I just loved sitting there and 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 suggesting ideas and never being too kind of dictatorial because being on the other side of it and, and and being aware of how annoying producers can be. Uh, <laughs> when they're like, hold on, I'm a director. This is my movie. Um it, you know, I try and be respectful of the director and just be there to help whenever I can and mm. pitch ideas and be a creative ally.
0: Is there an area that you feel that not from your side, but just generally that we all could improve, you know, the director producer relationship and being on set and working? Is this something that what's the thing that works for you? Why has it worked for you? You know, you've only had one bad experience. What do you think we could do to improve to, to help that old newcomers? And
2: stuff? I think it's like, I think as with most things in the filmmaker, it's, it's about ego. And I think, mm. you know, as, as a director, it's very easy to get high on your own supply and just think you are the gods because everyone's so nice to you and you don't have to listen to anyone and don't look over my shoulder because I know what's going on here. Mm. But You know, my, attitude to filmmaking generally is surround yourself with brilliant people, let them be brilliant and you kind of steer the ship effectively. So if you've got a brilliant DP and a brilliant designer and a brilliant casting director, et cetera, et cetera, then, you know, just don't be too controlling and let them do their thing because you've, you've employed them and let them you know and let them spread their wings as opposed to being egotistical and i think it's exactly the same with the producer and i think if you you all have the same goal you want to make a really good movie like he's not trying to sabotage your movie and make it unsuccessful you know he's trying to he's trying to do the best for it and he wants it to be as successful as you do so bear that in mind and and just have an open dialogue and don't be defensive don't be egotistical and try and be as collaborative as possible. And hopefully, you just have to hope they're not an idiot.
0: You know? <laughs> I've we always got to hope that, right? <laughs>
2: yeah, I've had one idiot who was an idiot, and it was annoying. And you know, my, my philosophy as well, generally, is like, it's, it's best not to be the smartest person in the room. Yeah. I don't want to be the smartest person in the room. I want to surround myself with people who are much cleverer than me, who've been through it all. So when I'm making a movie with uh, Eric Fauna and Tim Bevan at Working Title, they are brilliant. They've done hundreds of movies, most of which have been really good. Mm-hmm. So that's fantastic. You know who you're getting into bed with. Uh, you know, Home Alone, the two producers, uh, you know, brilliant. Hutch Parker, who used to run Fox, Dan Wilson, who was sort of underneath him, both brilliant, uh, insightful, have done it a million times, have, you know, have, have a great outlook on anything and I'm very lucky to have them. So, so I just think at the beginning, just be be very careful about who you're getting into bed with.
0: What a wonderful really advice. Careful. Ian, and what about yourself? Because you've not directed yet. No. Um, mm-hmm. But in terms of the producing side and your relationship with the directors, all the movies you've produced, mm-hmm. is there anything that people could take from that? Any advice? or uh, anything? I mean, just,
3: uh, I just echo exactly what Dan just said. Check ego at the door and, you know, go into a movie with humility. And, you know, we're all on the same page. And communication is everything. The only time it's ever gone wrong is when, uh, you know, I've had one experience myself where the director just changed. You know, um, you know, from pre-production. Once we went to principal photography, he didn't want to know us. He didn't want to talk to us, and that's not why we make films, right? So, and I don't think that guy's ever made a movie since. So, you, you just can't work that way. You've got to. It's a creative process, and and you know, my job is to protect. You know, you know, the, the, the talent, and and let them do their, do their job to the best of their ability. But then, if you know the best experiences I've had when I'm speaking to the director and they' they're they listen to what I'm saying you know it's not rocket science but you'd be amazed on 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 sometimes how, how often that happens where they don't it is particularly maybe in, in maybe a uh, uh, newer talent coming through making their first or second film or whatever you've, you've got to surround yourself with experience even me you know I'm trying to make movies now at Dan's level and there's no way I'm going to go into those films without having someone you know that's got 10 of those, you know, as an exec or whatever, you know, I I always want to be, even if I never ever see them on set or whatever, they're just on the phone. That That's good enough for me. That'll make me sleep at night because it's such a huge amount of money. I, I don't want to fuck it up, you know?
2: Yeah, because you're right. Because the ego says, I want, this is my film. I want to do yeah. this myself. I want to make it mine. But that's that's incredibly short-sighted, I think, mm. for, for all, you know, for, for all of us. Mm. Um, you just, you know, you want to as long as you're all pulling in the same direction as you and and you are surround yourself with that's my biggest advice for filming or for any aspect just surround yourself with the best people you can
0: And I know that's not easy. We know that's really difficult. And you're going, well, how do I do that? But by going to events, by coming to AFM, yeah. you're going to meet people here. They take their business cards as, you know, yeah. metaphorically yeah. now, just, you know, take their emails and write to them. You know, I've met some amazing people from my time at Cannes or AFM, and now it's online. So you've, you can see people's faces and profiles. Yeah. You can t- look them up before you even say hello. Mm-hmm. And you should definitely do that. The, the opportunities now are massive for you. The fact that you're here is huge. Um, and don't ever underestimate your ability to do yeah. that and to speak to people and be proud of what you're doing and want to achieve. But let's jump in with a few questions and see what happens. R.K. Musgrave asks, is a pitch deck and teaser trailer enough to approach distributors and sales agents for pre-sales, etc.?
3: My, my short answer <laughs> is yes and no. It all depends on the actual project itself. Like, you know, ideally, you, you know, you'd, you'd want a script. Uh, I think that that's, you know, fundamental. But at the same time, you, you might not have the funds to be able to get the... The, you know the writer going, so it all depends on the project itself if i'm honest
0: uh i agree i think with sales agents anything with pre-sales they're just going to ask who's in it i mean that's your first thing they're going to say cool who's in it i don't care what it looks like of course you're going to make it look like yeah, all these yeah. movies you've put in the pictures you know you've made it like blade runner yeah like well how much budget have you got to make it look like that so exactly you can take take all that with a pinch of salt i think a little bit and i certainly make sure with my pitch decks and all my directors vision boards and when i i often do videos as well now so i pitch it to them um that way they can get to know me and they see hopefully my passion behind it but i, I make sure that that is in relation to what i can actually make for the budget we're asking for i won't put pictures of blade runner 2020 in for example if i am making a sci-fi you know because that that and your investors and you your. you're producers might think oh he's going to make me that for that budget and actually it's really difficult you know to do that so i think just think about it but i think the answer is there. maybe you might get in the room with it but they're just going to ask who's your star cast may your pitch deck will help get those potentially so mm-hmm. great we've got another one here uh this is from Ileana Vasquez. I hope I pronounced that correctly for you. How are sales agents deriving pre-sales at the moment? It doesn't seem realistic. Uh, Ian, that's one for you. Yeah.
3: Good question. Uh, You know what? If I'm honest, as a financier, I take pre-sales with somewhat of a pinch of salt um, because most of the time they never really ever hit those numbers anyway. So I'm not saying they go like this because, you know, the the best sales agents are, are, are mostly accurate. So, you know, they have relationships, don't they, with buyers all around the world. They just come up with a number. They look at comparables, et cetera. But as a financier, I take, I look at maybe 20% of, of the actual takes and then that gives me a level of comfort. I don't know to answer right. the question there, but that's mine.
0: <laughs> no, that's, I think so. I, I think the same, mate. I think it's take it all with a pinch of salt and you go with the best uh, options you can and just go with the, the most yeah, information. You-
3: just on that, make sure as well, producers out there, like you, you don't just go with the seller agent that gives you the best takes because they can just literally just bump it up, you know, like make sure you do your research, do your due diligence, like ask other people that have had films with them or, or whatnot. So that's super important. Um, yeah,
0: that's just another little thing. That's great. We've got um, from Till Schmeierbeck. I really hope I pronounced that Till correctly. Dan, he's asking you, how many people read the script before a studio gives the green light? We kind of touched on this before and how's the development look like with a studio movie? So I suppose we could jump on a project that maybe you haven't released yet. Like you say, the project that you've written, the studio's asked you to write how many times does that go through a process uh, how long can that take
2: there are so many different variables and i think it's sort of similar to the to the answer you just gave you know if i have a script with chris hemsworth attached then they may know which even, is nice you know what i mean they might not even read it they'll just go yes great done <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah. If we make it let's get going and if you don't then it's It's so much talent related and and, and what you can do is you can get a studio really behind a good script, if your script is great, then they can go all guns blazing uh, and go after talent and be prepared to, you know, say, you know, we want Chris Hemsworth in it and we're, you know, we're looking at that budget level. But then as soon as you get a no or a pass from an actor, then the, the air goes out of the balloon. So in terms of studio there's usually the executive you're de- dealing with then the head of the studio it's a pretty you know there's few layers i don't have to go through a million layers when i'm you know writing a script or 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 you know or pitching something you know certainly where i am now luckily enough so uh, and I haven't ever really had to do that so with a studio studio movie once you've been asked to write the script it's pretty simple in terms of either they like it or they don't like it and uh, there are sort of two real arbiters of that that head of the studio and your particular
0: executive how many notes do they give you is it do they give you quite a lot of extensive notes does this or is it well generally of- what will
2: happen is the producer will give you a lot of notes so um right uh yeah so you know your production company who who have the property or the idea or who you've pitched it to originally and they you know and, and taken on board as, as producer what they'll do is they'll they'll before it gets to the studio um they'll give you a ton of notes and try and shepherd it in the way that you want to and sometimes you'd agree with them and sometimes you won't and sometimes that can get a bit fruity because they're second guessing what they think the studio might like but yeah. once it gets to the studio they're not la- lazy but what i'm saying is that they're not that interested in develop in development either they like something or they don't and if it's yeah. close then they'll give you the right amount of notes and if it's not close and they think it needs a million lo- notes then they'll probably just go you know what this isn't for us this hasn't worked out mm-hmm. and they'll move on they, they won't generally flog your script until it's a dead horse and they'll just go. Yes. It's, it's not working we'll you know we'll move on
0: yeah that, i think that's really interesting i think that's something that frightens new writers or frightens people who are just stepping into that studio system like ian and myself and that Feeling of, oh gosh, how many times are they going to read this script? You know, you've, you spent ages, they like it. You go in again after your first round of notes and you think, this is my chance. If, if they don't like this version, they're never going to read it again. How many times do you think in your, uh, you know, professional opinion and you from being from the other side, obviously getting scripts to read. How many times do studio execs or producers actually sit and, you know, read your new drafts and new drafts?
2: I look again, it depends how good or bad it is. Like I've had the first thing I ever did in in Hollywood. Um, I sold a script with Jack Black attached, and like for a, you know, it was a big deal, it was a two picture deal. Uh, this was the second script I'd ever written. I wrote it, they hated it, it was dead. That was it. First time, right. that was it. Simple as that, and they paid me my money. It was great, fantastic, but no interest just immediately withered on the vine and that was with uh disney at the time so you know that's right they they just didn't like it so they just it's such a a hard amount of work so they read it once frankly maybe not even once i had an amazing if i may tell a quick story i had an amazing meeting Mm -hmm. with the head of the studio Uh, Like I said, it was my first ever thing, put my heart and soul into it. They flew me over to LA from London to have a meeting with the head of the studio. I arrived on the Monday, they put me off, they put me off, they put me off. Uh, Eventually, Friday came around, I had to fly back on the Saturday for whatever, so they managed to fit me in, I had lunch. I sit down for lunch with the head of the studio. She says, I love the script. It's amazing. I love it. I think it's great. Fantastic. Oh, that's brilliant. Brilliant. You know, what do you think about, um, what do you think about, you know, the thing that happens in the end of that too, I Can't remember what it was she goes, I'm not so worried about that, but like on page four, this thing happens. And I think we might be able to think about something like that. And then I'd asked lots of questions and it became immediately apparent that she'd read probably seven pages <laughs> in the the lunch to lunch. And bear in mind, this was like, like I said, quite a big deal at the time with Jack black attached
3: and,
2: and she'd read seven pages. She'd probably got coverage from uh, a junior executive there who just said it's not that good uh and so she you know she probably didn't even read it once and put the knife into it
0: Wow yeah that's amazing Uh, I love that story right we've got uh, just over six minutes so let's rattle through a few more of these questions and see if we can get some answers out for everyone Nina Martinek asks can you please talk more about attaching talent and the effective ways to get the script to the actor there seems to be a lot of gatekeepers yes there is Um, Ian quickly on that one
3: yeah you've got to get to know those gatekeepers you know Uh, you've got to be so good they can't ignore you just keep on them like if they're not taking your calls the agents you know, if they're not getting back to you, just keep going and keep going and keep going. And at the same time, trying if, if you need to try and, uh, you know, uh, partner up with someone that's maybe got a bit more experience that has those relationships. It's it's not easy. I mean, I had a, a, a conversation with I won't mention his name, but he's one of the biggest producers on the planet. And he still, you know, has that situation where sometimes it, it's just hard, you know, uh, ultimately, then when you do get through, because eventually you will. Um, you've got to make sure your script is on it. You know, it's, it's as simple as that, you know, you like what these guys have said, you probably get one shot them reading it.
2: You, you get one shot of the first 10 pages. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Not, yeah. Or seven in your case. That's yeah. a yeah.
3: big advice. Make the first
2: 10 pages really, really good. Good advice. It's yeah. yeah.
0: yeah, Great. Very true. Uh, Shirley Trigra asks, Ian Sharp, may I have your contact uh, to connect with you? Uh,
3: Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to put my email on here right now, but like I'm very
0: happy <laughs> to find. And this is something I found as well, that all the talks you're going to while you're here, a lot of the speakers, you can find them on Twitter online. Mm. You can find us on Twitter, not Dan, but you can find us. And if you do want to get in touch, do get in touch that way. And the same with everyone else. Do your research and, and write a nice letter about something you've seen of Ian's or whatever, mm. and he, he will get back to you. Curtis Shaw, what do you think is the most difficult part of movie making? Finding funding, unique stories or distribution? Uh, Dan,
2: you know, it all comes down to the creative, I think, um, because it depends what kind of film you want to make, you know, t- uh, try and be different, try and be brilliant, uh, get your script to be the best it can possibly be and, uh, you know, and attach the best talent you can to it. So I think it's, I th- it all has to come down to the creative. And I think if something is brilliant, then it will find its way to funding and then distribution. So it's, you, you know, it's unique stories with unique voices. And, you know, brilliantly executed and thought through and diligence and imagination. So I I think that that to me is always always has to be the key.
0: Love it. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I think scripting, we can all find really good scripts or we can find script writers if we're not them ourselves. Funding can be really difficult, but, um, distribution too, but it's, it's the, it's a melee. Sean Donnelly asks, has it been hard getting insurance or a completion bond during COVID? And my answer then, as I'm about to go into production has been no, but. It obviously, there's, it's a different situation now and COVID insurance changes things. Mm-hmm. People over 70 is an issue. Mm-hmm. You have to be tested every five days and there's so much things to jump through and on set. Like uh, Dan mentioned, at the very beginning goes into little pods. So everything changes. So you can be insured, but uh, there's, there's certain restrictions. Mm. Anyone else to add to that?
3: Just on your budget, just probably have an extra 10% for COVID proof or whatever, you know, maybe have that in mind.
0: Joe Solomon, Giles, how did you get help to ensure your pitch deck was ready when you took it out to meetings? Uh, I didn't. I just knew what, and to be honest, so many people had sent me pitch decks over the years as well, and I'd learned and got better so i made them look like the film would look i made them glossy i made them interesting i made someone actually want to look at it and i'd really research so it wasn't too long and boring a lot about you know a bit about me a lot about the film films it was related to and i'd send it out to someone like ian um and go in what do you think and you go ah that bit's boring i'll get rid of that oh that's too much and i think you only know when you go into meetings and they look at it or they skim through it or they actually sit and spend time so just keep working on it and pass it to as many friends and people in the industry as you can. Don't be shy about doing that. Sorry we're going so quick at the end, but we've got two minutes. Let's see how many we can get through. Nino Adapt, uh, how do you find a good creative producer for your project? Where do you look, Ian?
3: Uh, AFM, join sanando IMDb Pro. Uh, there's there's a ton of research uh, resources uh, available to you, so you just have to get out there and network.
0: Amazing. Uh, I'd love to do so many questions. Obviously, we've got a question here about Maria Bakalova, who I know as well, as Dan knows, obviously, from Borat too. But there's so many questions. And actually, we should probably wrap up and let everyone know where they can find us. And Maybe we'll squeeze one in. Obviously, we run the Filmmakers Podcast, myself and Ian Sharp. If you do want to hear more about us talking to amazing guests like Dan Major, then do find us, filmmakerspodcast.com and you can find us anywhere you find your podcasts. Um, Ian Sharp is obviously a prolific producer, and you can find him... Online to do that too. And Dan Mazer has obviously Borat 2 is out now. Do go see that. But Home Alone, Dan, do you know when it might be? It'll be uh, next Christmas. It's a Christmas. Next Christmas. <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. That is incredible. Uh, all the questions have just disappeared now, so I can't see them anymore. But thank you so much. We're going to have another minute. They've gone. It's fine. They've taken away that from us. Dan
2: wants the sales now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about sales. Let's talk about that. Um, final tips and tricks, Dan, from you. Uh, what I know you gave an amazing one earlier, but is there anything else you can give to people? I just think keep creating, keep
2: going, keep producing stuff, keep writing, keep finding people. I think tenacity is is absolutely key and if you've got the combination of tenacity and talent
3: then you've got a good chance.
0: Amazing. Ian, a final little wrap-up for exactly. you. Exactly,
3: just never give in. Never give in
0: absolutely uh i'm the same keep going make your projects happen you can do it believe in yourself and if you're lucky enough to ride the elevator up to the top it's your absolute mission to let everyone else know as well and let your films happen and make them happen you can do it believe in yourself thank you so much for listening thank you very much afm for having the filmmakers podcast do this chat thank you dan Mazer. thank you